What's that? Polka? No. The metal. I, you know, I've always wanted to be in a band as most metalheads, I would say, grow up wanting to be in a band if they were spent yeah. their formative years listening to metal and idolizing those, those people. But um, after watching <laughs> about two hours worth of documentary footage, interviews, blah, blah, from one of the bands we're covering today, the Black Dahlia Murder, I, there are some bands I don't want to be in. I would I would guess purely speculative. Yeah. That that number would be like 90% of bands. I know. You know what I mean? I know. <laughs> and it's I and and I know part of it is my old age and I just want to just leave me alone. I need a recliner so then I can really lean in. Well, what you need, you need to be in the band and then take a private jet to the next show location. Yeah. But nobody else in the band is in your jet. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> correct. That's what it's you just need. like if I ever go on a road trip or whatever or, or a vacation with friends, it is paramount. I've learned about myself that I will need my own room. Right. I've compromised a lot, but I honestly need that own, that own room. I think it makes. I think it's a smart decision. You know what else is a smart decision? Listening to this show, which is of course the onslaught, uh, America's the world's only heavy metal podcast. I'm Brian and I'm Vargas, and your favorite band sucks. That's what we tell you on this episode or this show all the time because it's true. You have to hear the truth and nobody's going to give it to you. Nobody except us are going to give you the truth. I was going to say nobody except us and Joe Rogan are going to give you the truth, but there's actually too many people that think Joe Rogan gives you the truth. So the satire is then lost. Correct. And also we give you the truth in like 20 or 30 minutes. You don't have to listen for five (laughs) fucking hours. Get your shit together, Joe. No, actually just get your shit off the internet. Fuck you. Yeah. I, I'll say it again. Fuck you, Joe Rogan. There, Who, how, how's you know he going to take you know us what? down? Come on our show and debate us about yeah. about why you don't suck. Yeah, you bitch, because you can't. You'll have no, For, not a leg to stand formal on. Formal challenge to Joe Rogan. Well, what's he going to do as the second biggest podcast? Because you're listening to the biggest. Nice. So, well, certainly the coolest. Hundred <laughs> percent. Twice as cool as that one. So, fuck you. Twice as many hosts. <laughs> Joe Rogan. Uh. What, what do we want to do heavy metal news? We, we can't don't have to. I mean, there's a there's a couple. There's a couple. R.I.P. to somebody. Yeah. Hank Von Hell from Hank. Turbo Negro. Yeah. Um, really fun kind of party rock. Just good. Good fun band. Um, I mean, they're not for everybody, but yeah, he was young. Uh, he was 49 spry 49. Yeah. Uh, cause of death has not been announced, but hopefully it was not something I, tragic i think it was heart related because i know for a fact he yeah. ate with a purpose and that purpose was like genuinely to be as fat as he could and i am certain that drugs were in his life constantly what <laughs> so you sure i would say a mix of that no exercise and eating could cause a, a, a heart to explode could also cause a very fun existence yeah so what are you gonna do brian would you rather live a really fun 49 years or a really slow and boring 88 years yeah dude the candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long yeah that's why i strap electric light bulbs to myself all the time i want to be as bright as possible oh i see so you're taking it as the uh the literal <laughs> route yeah of course of being as bright as, okay. being as bright as possible hey i support you and your dreams thank you now <laughs> But but when we're recording, I really need you to take the light bulb suit off. Why? 
fine. You know what? I'll put on my my tin foil <laughs> hoodie. So yeah, just reflect the light, the light in here, and you're still going to be bright. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some other news. There's another cynic single. Um, I'm sure we'll put that on the next heavy fucking Friday. We probably will if I remember. <laughs> I mean, if our social media manager remembers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call Fryin. <laughs> that's that's the best you could do. It's Fryin. Yeah, it's fake Brian. I need to cut this out. Remind <laughs> me to cut this out. <laughs> Of course, you can find uh, Heavy Fucking Friday on our Instagram, which is the at the Onslaught Pod. Same as our Twitter. Uh, so you know, tune into that. Follow us if you don't already. Um, let's see what else. Uh, f- for those of you true believers out there, Cannibal Corpse's George Corpse Grinder Fisher has announced his debut solo album. Now I'm, I'm gonna say two things because I don't know there there was a a may may that went around. Uh, a long time ago, or I mean, it's, it's sort of a true fact, but Corpse Grinder, I believe it's Corpse Grinder. Every um, when he goes on tour, he goes. He loves claw machines. He goes yeah. and plays claw machines, and he donates the toys, the, the stuffed animals, normally that he wins to like children's hospitals and stuff. Um, and you know, non metalheads love to be like, oh, see, like even metalheads are nice. It's like, yeah, bitch. Of course, like we're just people, right? We just wear better clothes than you. That's <laughs> that's it. But uh, you know that that got passed around, but. On the flip side of that, I can't imagine Corpse Grinder making a side project that doesn't sound like Cannibal Corpse. Well, it will not surprise you to find out that he is describing it as a mix of death metal, thrash, and hardcore. Yeah. I mean, I get, but you know. How, how different from Cannibal Corpse do you think this is going to sound? But it could. It could. T- what if it tinges more towards like the structure of thrash? Because that's basically what they're missing, right? Because you could describe Cannibal Corpse as that, as what you just said. Yeah. But the structure leans toward death metal, and the length of songs leads towards hardcore, right? (laughs) But what if you take the structure of thrash, throw it in there, and it's just the energy of hardcore and the lyrics of death metal? Yeah. That would be a totally different band. It'd be cool. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I don't either. (laughs) It's kind of like when Gary Holt joined Slayer. And they brought Exodus on tour, and you just had Exodus opening for Slayer. And yeah. it's like, this is just the same band, right? Yeah. I mean, they're not. With very little different vocals. Yeah, right. Basically the same band. <laughs> Look, man, we tell it as it is on this yeah. podcast. Uh, so let's, I mean, that's the big stuff, basically. Uh, some new Metallica videos, interviews with Jason Newstead. Nothing else exciting. Boy, he loves, as much as he doesn't want to hold on glob on to metallica people just won't stop asking him about metallica well but what was it it wasn't brain dance what was the band he came out with like a long oh, time ago it was like jason newstead and something but brain yeah. was in the title yeah probably drain bramage you know what i mean <laughs> god oh boy okay Every, everybody's high school band name <laughs> yeah so uh this week so last week we had trivium versus death clock um some of the results are in as of the time of this recording voting is not closed so i will not disclose who's in the lead or anything like that but i will say it is swaying one way and i think both of argus and i uh thought it would we both thought it would sway the way that it is i definitely thought one of the bands would win yeah (laughs) jesus well you're not hey if, if we're if we're one thing on this podcast it's never wrong accurate correct uh so this week we have the Devin Townsend Project 
versus the Black Dahlia murder. BDM and DTP. Yeah, a lot of lot of letters. <laughs> and unfortunately, we can't make BDSM out of it. Nope. Missing the S. Damn it. The rest of the, the rest of that though is in the Black Dahlia murder. So oh. if we only had one S there, we should do it. Uh I'll go ahead and get started. Okay. With with the Black Dahlia murder. Uh, they've been around. They've been around for a while. So formed in 2001 by vocalist Trevor. All right, both these last names of the founders. They're not hard, but they're those letters where you put them next to each other, and you're like, I don't know how to. I don't know what were what sound that makes. Okay. When you when you put an R and an N right next to each other, that would be mm. <laughs> or registered nurse or registered nurse. Uh, formed in 2001 by vocalist Trevor um, Stranad. That's what I'm going with. Okay. And guitarist Brian Eschbach. <clears throat> Bless me. Where are they from? Uh, they're from Detroit. So the Black Dahlia murder has been through numerous lineup changes. Get American names. I know. <laughs> what are you doing? Just be Jim Fox. Yeah, good. Trevor Smith. And <laughs> uh, <clears throat> numerous lineup changes with the co-founders. Those two being the anchor, the only anchor throughout all of the years. They seem to have found some consistency uh, since 2013, having the same four out of five members for the last eight years. So from now until or from 2013 to now, they released their debut album unhallowed in 2003 on metal blade records with whom they've been uh, signed with throughout the entirety of their career. Nice. Uh, it's kind of, I was talking to Vargas outside of the show and that's kind of a rare thing to see in metal. I think uh, probably music in general, but um, especially metal, it just feels like music industry is full of basically slum Lords posing yeah. as record executives. Yeah. Um, so it, it's nice to see, especially because Brian Slagle is such a huge name in metal uh, the, as the founder of metal blade Records, right. it's been around forever. Um, so I'm happy to see the bands that like sign on and they're like, Oh yeah, this is awesome. Like it's just as like I thought it would be. It's great. And I was telling Brian metal blade kind of had, they have a couple of artists like that. Like, um, cannibal corpse. I'm pretty sure they've never left metal blade. Interesting. Um, same with, isn't Amata Marth still on metal blade or are uh, they on spine farm now? I, well, you know, that's a question, <laughs> but I know at least Amon Amar's first four or five albums was all on Metal Blade. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like they a they know what they're doing, and b they're they're good enough to their people to make people come back for nine fucking albums. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Black Dahlia Murder, has released nine total stu- studio albums since two thousand three, seven of which have peaked in the top one hundred uh, of the wow, U.S. Billboard seven chart. out of nine. Seven out of nine. Five of those seven have peaked in the top fifty. Which wow. again, we, uh, we kind of went over this with Death Clock. It's just surprising when you see an extreme metal band be in the top fifty on the Billboard, yeah. Which is all music released uh, gets ranked in the Billboard at some point. I don't remember how they rank because they can't do radio plays anymore. It's like well, streams and yeah, so downloads. It's like every thousand streams is considered a single album sale. Gotcha. I think that's the conversion of, of a song or of the whole album. It, any of the any off of that album gotcha. a thousand streams is one album sale interesting so yeah it's pretty impressive yeah um their most recent album venom verminous which came out in 2020 peaked peaked at 99 so that was top 100 which yeah. a lot of shit going on in 2020 uh they were supposed to go on tour with testament that year in support of the album but quote unquote something happened in 2020 i don't know why i think it's funny to say something when it's we all know it was a global pandemic what 
I think, a what? I think it's starting to be hack. I think a lot of people are doing it. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say right now. You heard it here first. Brian is gonna stop doing that bit. Oh, okay. And I hope I don't have it later on in this write up. You will. <clears throat> uh, being founded in Michigan, Strunad. God, <clears throat> Strunad recalls the band starting out and playing the majority of their live shows in the hardcore scene, which isn't unreasonable by any means. But the two genres do pull different crowds. Um, Trevor also cre- credits this atmosphere for the intensity that the Black Dahlia Murder tries to bring on stage with them. Um, if you're not if you're not familiar, hardcore has a very intense live um, scene. Best uh, best dancing. Well, think uh, what you will about the music. Well, honestly, hardcore though, there's it's those are kind of the annoying kids. There's still oh, moshes and no, stuff, no, no. but like hardcore is like get up with the band, jump off. Yeah. A lot of intensity. No, I don't want that. I just like it when they do the running man. That's, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's a fun one. There's a famous gif of of a guy from the singer from Harm's Way yeah. doing that on stage. Um, <clears throat> if their onstage presence was formed by the influence of hardcore and punk shows, the Black Dahlia Murder sound was influenced by both the crushing intensity of Floridian death metal as well as the melodies and sweeps of the Swedish melodic death metal scene, uh, which you'll hear later in their in the later in their discography. In 2002, the initial members released their first EP, "What a Horrible Night to Have a Curse," which would go on to be a song title of their 2007 release, "Nocturnal." The following year, in 2003, they released their first full-length album on Metal Blade Records, Unhallowed. This was followed in 2005 by Miasma, which saw the band grow in their songwriting ability. Uh, After the aforementioned Nocturnal, which was released in 2007, the band released Deflorate in 2009, which really cemented the band as the powerhouse in the American death metal scene. This was also the album where their Swedish melodic death metal influence became increasingly apparent. Uh, the band released two albums in pretty quick succession following Deflorate. Ritual was released in 2011 and was the last album without drummer Alan Cassidy and bassist Mark Lavelle. Uh, in 2013, the first with those two respective players, they released Everblack to both fan and critical acclaim and have since remained household names for all fans of extreme music. I think I think you would agree and and, and even i mean our our co-host on debates on tap every monday brendan is a black dahlia murder fan mm-hmm. and it's one of the few true metal bands that he is actually a big fan of um so anybody in these these scenes with extreme music whichever side you lean on you've probably heard of the black dahlia murder uh their 2020 release verminous actually had the band going in a slightly different direction Harkening back to old school, quote unquote, traditional metal, a la Maiden or Man of War. I thought you were going to say jazz. No, no, I would never say jazz. I don't fuck with jazz. Well, do they? No. Oh, nobody okay. should. Well, people should just stop fucking with jazz. <laughs> uh, a la Iron Maiden or Man of War, which Trevor has known to be a big fan of. Um, he in an interview he went on a. It was like in 2015. He had like a bunch of uh, Man of War records, which he like proudly yeah. showed off. Um, even knowing how the machismo is very awesome overplayed and whoa great yeah i keep doing your bits keep doing your funny bits well, i'm not doing bits oh god that's even worse don't talk shit on man of war i'm talking shit on man of war i'm just saying the clear machismo of their totally real bodies on their album covers yeah, yeah. uh so it's more galloping rhythm sections more melody but the same crushing heaviness and trevor's uh 
pretty distinct vocals. Uh, whether or not people are a fan of Black Dahlia or their latest release shows that they aren't content with just recording the same album over and over. Uh, and I look forward to seeing what else they have up their sleeve. Um, I don't know why Verminous got, it got kind of a lower reception. Like I said, it only peaked at 99. Um, but they're starting to show more growth with that album. So it'll kind of be fun to see on their next album if they really like do sort of change that sound to to steer more into like the classical arrangement of heavy metal. Yeah, um, steer into the curve or go yeah. back to what they're doing. Yeah, uh, and I'm definitely going to uh, include at least a song on the playlist that you heard that came out yesterday. That's on our Spotify. Uh, you can find that again on all of our social medias. We, um, but yeah, I just, uh, I, I know I, I didn't get, I didn't give them shit. I don't want to say I gave them shit early on in the episode saying that I wouldn't want to be in their band. Oh yeah. But what is it about? What is it about interviews that, especially with bands like this, right? They're not like worldwide, hugely known, mm-hmm. You know, I, our moms wouldn't know them. Right. Our moms do know Metallica. Right. Um, but it interviews, they're like, they ask like three metal questions mm-hmm. and then they're just like, so like, what are your other hobbies? And like, what kind of shirts do you have and stuff? And it's like, do you not want to at all talk about anything other than their latest album? And like, that's it. And then I don't know. Does that make sense? There's bad interviews. They get bad oh, interviews. They get bad. Okay. Yeah, that's probably very frustrating to get bad interview questions. Yeah. One thing I will respect about Trevor is he is very aware and very accepting of the fact of how cheesy metal is. Yep. And he says it in his uh, in, a, in a documentary I watched. It was like, he's like, I know my lyrics are cheesy, but like D&D and dragons and shit. That's cool. Right. Like, I want to sing about that and like make it as cheesy as I can. But knowing that it's cheesy. You, that's just part of the scene. You just have to accept that. Yeah. And once you move past that, you don't need like, it's great to have like meaningful, awesome lyrics, but at the same time, I don't mind listening to like shit about Dungeons and Dragons. And if you're making good music, you're making good music. Look at, yeah. look at Guar. Guar has the cheesiest lyrics in the world and they're one of the biggest metal bands out there. Yeah. Pour some more blood on me, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's the black Dahlia murder. It's BDM. Nice. Exciting. Do they have anything planned for after pandemic? Do you know? You oh, tour, I, I mean, I'm sure. I think anything? they're on tour. I didn't check uh, because that one with Testament, of course, was canceled. So I don't know if they're trying to reschedule that or um, if they're just going to do their own thing. But that would be sweet. They played on uh, Warped Tour. Yeah, that's weird. Weird, right? Yeah. But I know like Necrogoblin has played on Warped Tour every time mm-hmm. it dies. So like sometimes metal bands or harder bands get on there, but like for the Black Dahlia Murder, which is basically just straight up death metal. Yeah, they're pretty. That's pretty intense for that tour. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have the Devin Townsend project, and like Brian's band last week, uh, Death Clock, this is basically the story of one dude. It's basically Devin Townsend's story. So that's who I'm going to be talking about. Uh, Devin Townsend is not the son of Pete Townsend, but was born in 1972, and he joins the other lists, the, the list of proud Canadian musical treasures like Drake, Justin Bieber, and Carly Rae Jepsen. You didn't mention Dave Mustaine. I didn't. I'm proud of you. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, He got his start in music in 93 when he was recruited to be a vocalist for Steve Vai and provided vocals on the album Sex and Religion. Uh, He's also credited with co-writing two tracks on the album, Pig and Just Cartilage. Have you listened to any of that album? Nope. It's okay. Um, Well, it, it is different for Steve Vai. It didn't get a really great reception from like 
fans of Steve Vai. Do you think it was because Devi was on it? Um, I don't know. It, I, I read a little bit about it and it, it was like he was he Steve Vai was trying to get like some of the biggest names like big big musicians really talented people to all contribute and then he just took control over the album creation sweet so when you have like a whole bunch of really talented creative people in a room and you tell them hey we've got this big room full of really talented people but you need to play exactly what I'm telling you to play why why, why get the creative people exactly anyway um, so if you're listening to two tracks on there, Pig and Just Cartilage, co-wrote by Devin Townsend. Um, after recording and touring with Vi, uh, he was very frustrated and disillusioned with the music industry as a whole and decided to record a solo album uh, in which he could vent his feelings. Uh, that album would be heavy as a really heavy thing, which he would release under the moniker of Strapping Young Lad. And just like I said in our first Strapping Young Lad episode, if there's any confusion about whether heavy is a solo project or not, I'm going to give you the list of credits that Devin Townsend has on that album. He is the guitarist, the vocalist, the keyboardist. He did the programming, the mixing, the editing, production, arrangements, and art direction. Who did the drums? Some other guy. <laughs> Actually, there's two people credited on drums. So. Oh, interesting. But, you know, there's whatever. There's a lot of yeah, other, yeah. you know, back uh, guitar solos and backing. Okay, all that stuff. Fine. This was a Devin Townsend solo album. Yeah, for sure. Um, so after that album was very successful, he grew SYL in a full band and launched his career basically into the big leagues. Um, SYL was a success, but this is not an SYL episode. So in 07, he disbanded SYL to spend more time with his family. He spent two years more or less away from the music scene, um, with the notable exceptions of his second ambient album, the Hummer and Ziltoid <laughs> were released in his <laughs> time away from music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's because it's just him in a room with, you know, his own music. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and and the, the intention in that gap was like to step away from writing and focus on production. Like that was the work he was doing to make money, whatever. Um, so in 2009, Devin came back to the music industry and announced the Devin Townsend project. Initially, he envisioned four albums, each in a different style and with different musicians. So four albums, four musical styles, all different band. Um, the first four albums were Kai. It's a kind of a soft and tense album meant to mirror his newfound self-control and sobriety. Addicted. A pretty heavy, but mostly melodic and, as he says, danceable album. Okay. Uh, Deconstruction, which is a concept album about a man trying to find the true nature of reality. And Ghost, which is a super mellow, low-key album. All four of those albums were released between 2009 and 2011. It's four albums in two years. That's a lot. It's would a lot. you say you might go into this, but would you say he succeeded in making those all sound very, very like they're from different bands? Oh, big time. Okay. Big time. Um, and what's also cool about that is he, again, since this is like a solo project thing, he pulled some other songs from his previous solo album tracks like mm-hmm. and, and remade them like in a different style or, or, kind of updated them. So stuff like hyperdrive, which was from Ziltoid. Uh, he pulled some stuff from ocean machine, his first solo album, um, and, and kind of threw those in there so that he could 
increase the production value or like if there was a song that he included in like all his live sets, he re-recorded it so that people would have a more up-to-date version to listen to, which I thought was a cool idea. Um, okay. So after those four albums released, the intended four albums, the project stayed together for another three albums, Epic Loud, Transcendence and Z2, which is actually a double album um, of the Ziltoid stuff. And then there's like a more traditional Devin Townsend project album that's included with that. So it's a, but it was a new Ziltoid album. Yeah, it's a new Ziltoid yeah. album. Um, Devin announced in 2018 that he was taking a break from DTP, but he's continued making music and has like a thousand current projects that he's working on, including a dick opera. <laughs> now, when an opera s- about dicks. Ah, so it's not just about Dave Mustaine. <laughs> Got him again. <laughs> nice. Um, okay, so here's some DTP fun facts, and then we'll get into kind of what his sound is. Okay. He has released over the course of his musical career, 23 solo albums. It's a lot. 20. Cause that's three. not, that's not including the stuff from SYL that include excludes SYL and casualties of cool. Okay. Which only has one, but it's a lot. That, that also doesn't include albums that he's produced. Yeah. That doesn't include anything that he's like guested on. Does he produce what kind of stuff does he produce? Does he produce only like heavy or rock stuff or does he produce like no. pop musicians have ever been produced I by d- Debbie? I didn't see any that jumped out at me. Um, I'm guessing it's mostly rock and metal, but the probably the biggest one that he's been affiliated with is Zimmer's Hole. He produced all of Zimmer's Hole albums. Yeah. Um, he's done like producing and guitar solos on other like single tracks. He produced um, of what is it of blood and salt from the sea shepherd EP with Gojira. He's credited as a producer of that track. Great. Has I'm, can that come <laughs> I, out? Please? I know. Give it to me. Um, yeah. So he's super prolific to say the least. Uh, he's a vegetarian. Okay. And he cites ethical reasons, but wouldn't consider himself a quote unquote activist. So it's like a personal choice that he's making for himself. Yeah. Okay. Um, he was diagnosed with bipolar in 1998, uh, but has been off antipsychotics since 2007 after getting sober. He stresses in interviews that he did so with the guidance and assistance of a professional. Yeah, he so didn't just he didn't just throw it in the trash. Right. Um, and he also said that the bipolar was exacerbated by his drug and alcohol use. Oh, I'm sure. So, well, hey, man, look at Kanye. Whenever he's in his manic phase, we get like really good albums. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe once when Debbie swings to that manic phase, maybe we get the better, better stuff. Well, and so I watched an interview where he was mental health. Not a joke. I'm sorry to make light of it. <laughs> I watched an interview where somebody asked him um, what his favorite SYL album was, and he said that City is the seminal album mm. like that's the album that everybody says that's the SYL sound, but he's the most proud of alien. And he went on to say that during the recording of alien, he stopped taking his antipsychotics, but he was still doing drugs and booze. Great. So it was a super toxic experience for him recording. Um, because he said what he wanted to do was like prove to himself that he could handle the workload of creating an album while off his medication. 
but he didn't do the extra step of like addressing the root of his problems. Right. So it, it was a terrible recording experience, but it produced great results. <laughs> but he's still, that's the most proud. Yeah. He said, that's the album that I'm the most proud of. So of the SYL stuff. Yeah. Um, it, as you listen to these songs, like I'm sure you did yesterday when our playlist came out, um, you'll notice that Devin Townsend's sound is very much that like Phil Spector wall of sound. You know, there's 45 tracks of music yeah, all yeah. happening at the same time. You know, six guitars and, you know, a drum track and a bass track and an orchestra. And a it's one of those bands where you listen to it, the same song five times, you'll hear five different yeah, things. Exactly. Every time you, there, you can pick apart layers and layers and layers. Um, and I think a lot of this comes from his synesthesia. And if you, anybody out there doesn't know what synesthesia is, he has, uh, uh, that's, that's anyone who has a crossover of their senses. So for him specifically, you can hear colors for him specifically sounds are colors. So yeah. like a C chord is blue. A D chord is red, whatever. And it doesn't Pharrell have that. I don't know. I'm pretty sure Pharrell has some kind of that. Devin Townsend said a lot of musicians that he talks like professional musicians have it. It's probably uh, why they become if they can grasp it as easy as we grasp colors. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's what he said. He has a super poor understanding of music theory, right? But that plays into the wall of sound thing where if you think about it as mixing paints, you're okay. So you're including this vocal part with this guitar part with this drum part to make the color that he wants. Yeah. Which is the sound that he wants. You and I know that if we mix uh well now I'm, now i'm blanking out if we mix red and yellow we get orange right yeah but we don't necessarily know the science behind how light refracts yeah the exactly. red and the orange so right um and he he was also saying that and, and this is ultimately i think gets to the heart of devin townsend not only as a musician but as a person um he said that his way of writing music is that he picks at music until it stops bothering him. So like he'll have an idea and he's like, I got to write this down. And then he just keeps working on that idea until he's like, ah, that was the thing that I wanted to get out of me. So he's never unsatisfied with a song. It sounds like right. Yeah. Cause right. he works on it. Cause it, it, it's done picking at him. So therefore he's, yeah. So yeah. he's, he's kind of done with it. Um, and I, I think that really it gets to the heart. Like if you watch interviews with Devin Townsend, he's a super chill dude. He doesn't, he will absolutely talk to you about music. But if you are really like heady and cerebral and try to like break down the music, he's not going to enjoy himself. But what, what I've noticed is that he tends to, enjoy the the humanity of like an interview or music like it seems to me that music is not something that he wants to do and pursue it's something that he has to do like it's something that he has to like get out of himself when you watched those and read those interviews and, and everything do you get the vibe that he still does enjoy it or has it become a chore no he'll still talk about it but and, and i think that's that's the lyrics side his lyrics are trying to explore the like more vocal emotions that he experiences, 
but the music is like like he said where where he scratches that itch until it stops bothering him it's like if i don't do this i'm gonna explode like my brain is gonna melt so that's his that's his way of releasing and then the lyrics and stuff are the way he explores more deeply those emotions gotcha so that's Devin townsend it's really interesting um Oh, and he plays guitar in open C tuning instead of standard tuning, um, which I thought was cool because that just plays a chord when you play open strings, which again goes back to his like lack of music theory. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, real quick, I just found a list of notable cases of Synestia. Yeah. Uh, Pharrell is on their list. Well, there you go. You want to know some other ones? Uh, and- Kara Kaufman, my girlfriend. Interesting. Yeah. Do you know they present in different ways? Yeah. Yeah. So Beyonce. Okay. Has it. Um, she has the, uh, just like you mentioned, the sound of color. Uh, Billie Eilish has it. There you go. Uh, one, one on here that's interesting. Marilyn Monroe had it, but hers was taste to color. So she could taste like broccoli oh, and, and be like, oh, that's orange. Okay. Not an orange, but uh, <laughs> orange. Mary J. Blige has it. Kanye has it. Uh, Nikola Tesla had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Billy Joel had it. Has it? He's alive. <laughs> Tori Amos. Uh, Frank Ocean. So what I'm getting here is that it's uh, oh Brendan Urie from Panic at the Disco. There you go. Guessed it on an Every Time I Die song. It remembers. You should listen to that. So what I'm getting here is that it really is like not that not that everyone who has it or not that everyone is talented has it, but like it seems. Like if you have it, not only will you probably lean towards the arts, but you'll also likely it will help you on your journey of whatever your art uh, goal is. It certainly can. Um, I'm guessing that a lot of those are like some kind of music to color synesthesia. Most of most of them that were that I mentioned that were um, musical artists are sound to color or multiple. Yeah. So. Kara, and this is not a synesthesia podcast, but Kara now, baby, my, my, um, she has um, like words to colors, right? So like she has a slight variation of like, oh, that song is round. Like it has a shape to it, but it's more like this, this color is a word or that word is a color or Um, another one that she experiences is she has like memories are like a thing that she sees in her head. So she can all of us have, well, no, she, she's like, I have like a, like a Rolodex in my head and I can like flip through it. I don't know, man, I don't have it. So I can't (laughs) tell you what it is, but she, she, it's just like, there's like a time, there's a time to, to visual, connection in her brain okay. and that's another kind of synesthesia huh isn't that weird sounds like a very strange disorder disease whatever i guess we shouldn't call it um, um trait yeah it's a very strange trait yeah and she didn't know she had it so just thought everybody was like yep yeah. she sure did which was really frustrating for me because i was like no you're the weird one <laughs> That but, song is not blue. Yeah, that song's not blue. I mean, yeah, okay, it's it's called I'm Blue <laughs> and it's sung by three blue guys, but that's not it's not blue. Look, there's one blue band out there and it's Blue Man Group. 
<laughs> How are you not getting this? Uh, no, that's um, well. Now you can go home and, and you can give her the list of, of famous people that have. No, I'm not going to boost her ego like that. <laughs> she doesn't. She can barely fit her head through her door as it is. <laughs> oh boy, that's uh. Thank you for that. That was interesting. It's hopefully, super interesting, right? Hopefully, everybody out there got some kind of new information from from our Devin Townsend project and Black Dahlia murder um stories there and and reports it feels sometimes it feels like we're doing a book report doesn't it yeah but except it's the not cool teacher version yeah because 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 we're the cool teachers yeah telling we, telling you how to feel we smoke in school yeah in the boys room <laughs> oh man uh hey thanks for listening couldn't do it without you wouldn't do it without you it would just be again vargas and i in a bar <laughs> wondering these questions googling something oh did you know Devin townsend has senestia <laughs> well that's crazy what's uh what's that what is that and then we probably just make stuff does up. it didn't Devin townsend band has their one of their albums was senestia that's the one that um with the vampire the vampire on yeah. it yeah i don't know if they're related i'm certain he named it senestia on purpose could be i know i'm gonna say a hundred percent I'm going to say that's a definite. Okay. Without meeting the man or ever talking to yeah, the man. Yeah, let's let's ask him. I'm going to say it's definite. Him. Yeah, we'll get him on the phone. Uh, could do without you. Subscribe to us, please. Helps. It helps. What it does is it helps brings us to the you might like page of other people who may not know us. Yeah. Even though we are the only heavy metal podcast in the world. But, it, you know, maybe they'll click it and be like, oh, that algorithm is wrong. I fucking hate these dudes. But that's just who we are. You love us or you hate us. I think. No, you love us. You have to. You have to love us. Uh, you can find us on the internet. You can email us at debate. Do it every fucking time. I'll edit it. It's fine. No, you won't. You're going to leave it in, dick. Uh, you can email us at the onslaught podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at the onslaught pod. Same thing for the Instagram onslaught pod. Um, playlist every Tuesday before before we release the episode uh episodes every wednesday and then uh yeah we got some stuff on social media heavy fucking fridays uh i try to find some newish well our social media manager tries to find some newish uh releases uh give you a snippet of those so go check them out if you like it um i think that's it right i think that's it make sure to vote gotta vote you gotta you gotta vote can't do it without you we love to see it and uh, your favorite band sucks always <laughs> <laughs>